Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, But First Pivot. I'm Danny, registered dietitian, certified sports dietitian, and CEO of Pivot Nutrition Coaching. I'm here to share my all foods fit approach and real life client success stories to inspire you to pivot away from all the fad diet nonsense and confusion. My goal is to simplify nutrition so you can enjoy foods you love like donuts and pizza and still achieve your health, performance, and body composition goals. Hey, hey, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to episode five of my podcast, But First Pivot. Today, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Paige Prestigiacomo, for our very first Ask the Dietitian episode. Over the last two weeks, we've had athletes and adults submit their performance nutrition questions. So today, we're going to answer as many as we can in this episode. But first, before we answer question number one, I'm going to let Paige introduce herself. Hey everyone, my name is Paige and I'm a registered dietitian and former Division I athlete. I now work with athletes and active adults at Pivot Nutrition Coaching. Um, I did my undergrad in dietetics at the University of North Dakota and now I'm getting my master's in exercise science. Yes, and fun fact, back in the day, Paige was my intern and she was so awesome that when I started Pivot Nutrition Coaching, I was like, hey, you're going to come work for me. (laughs) So here we are wearing our matching Pivot Nutrition Coaching t-shirts in the recording studio. uh, And let's dive into question number one. So question number one, what is a good pregame snack? This question was submitted by a mom whose kids play sports after school. So let's talk through some after-school scenarios because not all after-school sports are at the same time. So most kids, I would say, would you say, Paige, get out of school around like 2.30, 3 p.m.? Yep. Okay. So they get out of school at 3 p.m. And games typically start between 5 and 7 p.m. or in that ballpark. So 4.30, 5, 5.30, 6.30, depending on the sport. So scenario number one, let's say that the game is at 4.30 or 5 p.m. So what we want to do around 3 p.m. when we get out of school is have a mini meal or a decent size snack consisting of mostly carbs and some protein to help us feel full. So examples of things to eat about 90 minutes before a game would be things like a turkey sandwich or a six-inch turkey sub, a PB&J with a yogurt, a Cliff Bar with a banana, or something like a handful of crackers with, with a cheese stick and a piece of fruit. Now, the portions will vary based on the athlete, their their height, their weight, you know, their sport. Because if you think of a cross-country runner versus a football player, those are two very different body types. But in general, we want to make sure that we're getting mostly carbohydrates and a little bit of protein. That's the main focus when we're 90 minutes out. And what we want to make sure of is that we're keeping those carbs low fiber. Lots of fiber is not well tolerated right before exercise. Paige, just picture this, having a lot of like black beans or broccoli before a swim meet. Not going to sit well. It it doesn't sound, and it doesn't sound good either. I don't want to have you know, a lot of veggies or beans or fiber things. So 90 minutes before a game, we want to think 
some digestible low fiber carbs like our bread, bananas, you know, fruit, things like that. Uh, and as for fluids, we probably want to have at least four ounces of fluids every 15, 20 minutes leading up to game time. So that's scenario number one. We get out of school around 3 p.m. And then our game is, you know, within 90 minutes. So it's going to be more of a mini meal or a decent sized snack. Now, Paige, what if we have a game closer to 7 p.m.? Yeah, if a game's going to be closer to 7 p.m., in this scenario, we're going to have a little bit more time after school. So we're going to have a little bit bigger pre-game meal about three to four hours out. So that would be around 3 or 4 p.m. If we picture like a regular sized dinner plate, we're going to want to build what we call a game day plate. Game day plates are half your plate filled with carbohydrates. Another fourth of your plate is going to be filled with lean proteins. And the other fourth of the plate is going to be filled with like fruits and or maybe a veggie. So, for example, it could be a half a plate of pasta with maybe a little bit of tomato sauce, a couple meatballs for our protein, and just a little bit of broccoli. Again, we can have some fiber here because we have at least three to four hours um, to digest that meal. Another example could be like a burrito bowl, especially if you're on the go before this game, stopping by Chipotle, getting a bowl mostly of rice, chicken, and just a small amount of veggies would be perfect for like a 7 p.m. game. I like that you mentioned Chipotle. First of all, I love it. This is not an ad. Uh, But if we are going to Chipotle or Qdoba, this is not the time for all the queso, my friends. This is not the time. I'm a huge fan of queso. It's delicious. But before a big game, we don't want to load up on on the cheese, especially queso. Uh, Now, let's say that we are eating three to four hours before the game. So let's picture this. Your game is at 7 p.m. You have a pregame meal at 3, okay? Time goes on. By 6 p.m., remember, you ate at 3. By 6 p.m., you might be hungry. Or maybe you're starting to feel like, you know what? I could eat a little snack. I could use a little boost in energy. So what we want to do if we're eating three to four hours before, we want to top off the tank before that game. Because if we eat three to four hours before, you know, three hours later, the tank, you know, that's that's your body, you know, when we eat we get energy in our muscles and the tank is not full because we've been moving around. You don't eat your pregame meal and then like lay down and don't move your body, right? You're, you're hanging out with your teammates, you're warming up. So we can top off the tank. This could be anywhere from 15 minutes to 60 minutes before. Again, it depends. But what we want to focus on in that window that's an hour before game time is carbs, So we want to stick with something small, light, and carby. Something like a honey stinger waffle, a small banana, cutie oranges are coming back in season. So that would be a good option as well. So if you are eating three to four hours before, consider topping off your tank with a small carby snack 15 to 60 minutes before. Moving on to question number two, what is the best recovery snack for a long tennis match, and this could be any sport. It could be, you know, a hockey game, a soccer game, a basketball game. When allergic to nuts was the specific question. So what is the best recovery snack for long matches when allergic to nuts? So let's talk about recovery snacking 101. So as a post-exercise snack, we want to focus on three things. We want to check three boxes, protein, carbs, and fluids. 
That's what we're looking for post-exercise, especially high-intensity exercise like a long tennis match, for example. So let's go through some examples of protein, carb, and fluid combos. Number one, and it's probably the most popular, Paige, what is it? Chocolate milk. Chocolate milk. Now, Paige, do you think that chocolate milk is this like magical thing? It's convenient. I don't know if I call it magical. Yeah, and that's the thing. People always ask, why is chocolate milk the best post-exercise snack? Well, I wouldn't say it's the best, but it's probably the most convenient because chocolate milk checks all three boxes in one container. It's a fluid, and it has protein and carbs. I like to compare chocolate milk and its convenience to three-in-one shampoo, conditioner, body wash. It's not the best, right? And whenever you have to use, have you ever used, uh, you know, three-in-one shampoo, page? I try not to. <laughs> right. It's, it's not the best, especially for conditioning, right? Because it's all mixed up. So it's not the best, but it's very, very convenient to have all three in one bottle. That's how I feel about chocolate milk. I mean, I love chocolate milk. It's delicious. But I wouldn't say it's the best. I would say it's the most convenient, especially if you can tolerate milk, of course. So that's example number one, some chocolate milk. Uh, Other examples, pretzels with a cheese stick and water, Greek yogurt with fruit, fresh fruit, dried fruit, or something like applesauce. You can also blend them together, make a smoothie. If you're going to make a smoothie, make sure that you have both protein and carbs. Protein powder alone is not enough post-exercise, and I see that so much, where people go to the gym and they just shake their protein powder with water, and they consider that their, their recovery snack. That's not enough. We need carbs after high-intensity exercise. We got to put the carbs back in the muscles because when we eat carbohydrates, we store those carbs as glycogen in our muscles. And when we exercise, especially at a high intensity, we're using up those carb stores. So we got to put the carbs back in the body. It's kind of like filling up your car with gas. You put gas in the car. We just did this. And then you start, you know, driving the car. So you're using up the gas. It's the same thing with your body and carbohydrates. We got to put them back in. So if you're that person that just has protein powder and water after hard training or competition, this is your friendly reminder to add some carbohydrates. So that's a long tangent to make sure that we are adding a carb to our protein powder if we're making a smoothie. Other examples, and one of my favorite, it's called a fuel for fire pouch. These look like go-go squeeze apple pouches. Uh, I only found out that they existed about two years ago, and you can find them on Amazon. I will drop the link in the show notes. But this cute little pouch, and there's different flavors, is 10 grams of protein and 20 grams of carb, which is awesome because it's often tricky or difficult to find proteins that you can just throw in your backpack, right? Like, I'm not going to bring a chicken breast in my backpack, you know, if I go to the gym. But these Fuel for Fire pouches are awesome, and there's also a kid version, too. Lastly, because the question was for someone who's allergic to nuts, Go Macro Bar. I I like Go Macro Bars in general, but they do have a few nut-free options, and these bars are 12 grams of protein and 35 grams of carbs, so that's a really good ratio for post-exercise. Now, these are some of my favorites. Paige, do you have any favorite go-to recovery snacks? Yeah, I actually, you know, don't have a recovery snack after my workout, 
Um, and that's because I live five to 10 minutes away from my gym. So I get to drive home pretty quick and I am actually going to eat a balanced meal um, with some kind of protein, carb and fluid, you know, checking all those boxes within an hour of finishing my workout. So even though I'm not having a post-workout snack, I am still refueling within one hour after my workout. You make a really good point. That's a question that we get a lot when we educate athletes on nutrition is, do I have to have a post-workout snack? And the answer, and what we usually say is, it depends, right, Paige? It depends. depends. Everyone's (laughs) favorite answer. It depends, and it really does. So, you know, Paige lives five minutes from the gym, so she she doesn't have to have a recovery snack because she's about to eat a balanced meal within 30 to 60 minutes. So if you can have a balanced meal within 30 to 60 minutes, you don't need to have a post-workout snack. However, this post-workout snack is extremely beneficial if you're an athlete that has back-to-back training sessions or if you have multiple matches or competitions or games in a weekend. So for example, maybe you have a hockey tournament where you have a game at 9 a.m. and again at 2 p.m. So Even if you can get a balanced meal within an hour, we can enhance the recovery process by eating a snack as soon as possible. So as soon as you get off the ice after the third period or as soon as the whistle blows, if you have other games or other matches that same day or even the next day, you can accelerate or enhance that recovery process if you have protein, carbs, fluids, ASAP, as soon as possible afterwards. So no, you don't need to have something right away, especially if you're going to have a meal. But if you're an athlete with multiple games or matches, it is recommended. Something like just drinking a chocolate milk after will be helpful. Let's move on to question number three. How do I fuel for exercise When I'm not hungry. This is such a great question and something we hear a lot from athletes, especially those that train early in the morning. And to answer this question, I feel like we need to pivot and talk about practical hunger. Now, I work out typically at 7 or 7.30 a.m. And when I wake up around 6, 6.30, I don't really have an appetite, but I know that I should put a little fuel in the tank. Yeah, I think practical hunger is such a good thing to talk about. And when we work with athletes, you know, I see this a lot, especially in female athletes. There's a lot of pressure to look a certain way, especially because you see people on social media or like Instagram influencers. You see all of those, what do I eat in a day videos? And you think I need to eat like them. But in reality, you know, these athletes' energy needs are going to be a lot different than the person that they see on social media. If they're a high school athlete, a college athlete, their activity levels are so much higher. So we have to remember that athletics does not always equal aesthetics. So even if we're not feeling, you know, physically hungry, we have to use that practical hunger knowing we're not going to be able to eat again soon or we're going to go into an intense practice. Um, We got to have some kind of snack, even if we're not feeling physically hungry. And, you know, because of all the pressure that gets put on these athletes, that's kind of why I became a dietitian. I was in high school and I knew I wanted to swim in college. I was like, man, I need like all the help I can get to make it to that 
you know, D1 level. So I was like, I'm going to start eating super healthy. I'm going to, you know, pack all my snacks, eat really quote unquote clean. And then eventually I was getting lapped in the pool. I was falling behind. I was like, what is going on? I'm eating clean. I'm doing all the things from what other people, what I was seeing them do. And I'm really lucky that I had a coach and my dad recognize that, hey, you're not eating enough based on like how active you are as a person. So I think we went and got like a Culver's cheeseburger and then started increasing my food intake to know athletes need more food the more you're moving. So you got to definitely take into consideration practical hunger. Definitely. And this reminds me of, you know, something my friend told me a few weeks ago. So she's she's a personal trainer. She also trains groups of athletes, teams. And she was telling me that she had an athlete that she wanted me to work with because this athlete was coming in for her 1 p.m. workout and she was feeling really tired. She would tell her like, oh, like this is really hard today. You know, I'm having a hard time. And, you know, my friend, the trainer was like, "Okay, well, uh, you know, what have you eaten so far today? And she said, half a bell pepper. Oh, my. (laughs) Half a bell pepper. And I'm like, this makes me really sad. It's heartbreaking because I don't know why this person is only having half a bell pepper. But like you said, athletes need to eat more than non-athletes. We have to have a, a fueling mindset like, hey, I need food to perform. And we we have we we need to have this this performance mindset where, hey, your job is to perform both in your sport and in the classroom, because most of the athletes we work with are student athletes. So your job is to perform. Your job is not to have this perfect beach body. Your job is to perform at your best. And in order to do that, we need to fuel the body. We need to treat our bodies like a well-oiled machine. And even if you're not hungry, back to my 7 a.m. workout, I'm not hungry at 6 a.m., but I know that I should put at least 15 grams of carbs in my body to give my body a little bit of fuel. So practical hunger is when we're not necessarily physically hungry, but in a practical sense, we know that we should eat a meal or a snack in order to perform better, to have more energy so that we can not only get through the workout, but perform well in that workout or in that practice or in that game. This leads to question number four. What should I eat before a 5.30 a.m. or 6 a.m. practice or workout? Now, I don't work out this early. Uh, luckily, owning my own business, I make my own schedule, and I'm, I'm not going to wake up at 5 to work out unless I really have to. So far, uh, 7 a.m. works great. Uh, but Paige, you were a college swimmer, and I know swimmers typically have really early morning practices. So tell us a little bit about what you did to fuel before the swim practice, or, or maybe you didn't and you learned the hard way and then you made an adjustment. Yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday, not for in a good way. Um, but we would be jumping into the pool like 6.40 a.m. sharp. You were not a minute later than that. And, you know, I was definitely not hungry at 5 a.m. You know, waking up, especially in North Dakota, like walking through the snow to jump into a cold pool. Absolutely terrible. It's so cold. <laughs> but, you know, even if I knew I wasn't hungry for a snack, I needed something to make it through that hour swim and hour lift back to back. This is when, you know, you're having those really early morning practice or workouts. We got to utilize the practical hunger. We want carbs to be a priority. So we want to aim, like Danny said, at least 15 grams. 
even up to 60 grams, just depending on the intensity or, you know, what you can handle and what your body is used to. So when I say carbs, we really want like the fast, easy to digest carbohydrates. So that's going to give us immediate energy in our body. And we want to keep the food choices really low in fat and fiber so we can avoid like an upset stomach. So my go-to, you know, some kind of like applesauce packet or even like a glass of juice, really easy to get down. And I think that's a good first place to start, especially if you're not used to eating in the morning. So applesauce, glass of juice, banana, like a chewy granola bar or a Cliff bar, pretzels, fruit snacks, white bread or toast with honey or jelly, all are going to be really nice options for that early, early morning workout. Yeah, I love that you mentioned the glass of juice because oftentimes when people or athletes tell us, I'm not hungry or I have a hard time stomaching food before an early morning workout, we say, if you can't eat it, drink it. Uh, That was my conversation with a a very active adult two days ago. She's like, oh, I don't know if I can stomach a banana or, you know, some rice cakes before my 6 a.m. five mile run. And I'm like, no problem. How does juice sound? And I wouldn't want someone to have just juice as an afternoon snack on its own. But before exercise, especially first thing in the morning, this is going to give your body that little boost of energy that it needs. So that's what to eat before early workouts. Another question we received was, what can I eat after late physical activity? And this question comes at a really great time because last night I came out of retirement. I played volleyball. I hadn't played volleyball since 2007. That was a long time ago. This was high school. And so I played in an adult volleyball game last night from 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. So I didn't get home till 9. And a lot of adults that play in adult leagues, whether it's hockey or softball, or volleyball, whatever it may be, you know, you don't get home till 9, 9.30, 10 p.m. sometimes, sometimes later. But we, we definitely want to have something after that, especially if it's high intensity. And for some reason, this volleyball was pretty intense. I don't know if I'm like out of shape or because I'm 30. But what I had after when I got home was a little Greek yogurt parfait. So what we want to aim for as a bedtime snack is definitely something with protein. And then if we're going to add a carbohydrate, because typically we want to pair protein and carbs at snacks, is something with fiber. So I had a triple zero yogurt, so a little yogurt with 15 grams of protein. I added some blueberries and some granola. So small, balanced, satisfying, and then I wasn't going to bed hungry. So that's my recommendation for a bedtime snack. Definitely some protein. And then if you're going to add a carb, try to choose a carbohydrate that has fiber like berries. I think that also brings up a good point. And I got this question this week. An athlete asked, should I stop eating after a certain time? And when you have athletes in crazy schedules, there is no one time to eat. I always say get rid of the typical dinner time when you have an athlete schedule because sometimes you don't get home till 9 p.m. So get rid of that. You don't have to stop eating after 7 p.m. Just make sure you're definitely having something after uh, a hard workout or a game. 
Definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. There's no 7 p.m. rule. Your body doesn't know if it's 7 or 8 or 9. If you're hungry, we definitely want to eat. And maybe you're not hungry. Back to the practical hunger. Let's say that you you do have a game late at night or a practice and you're not hungry after because sometimes exercise suppresses appetite. We go back to the fluids, right? If, if you get home at 9.30 p.m. and you're like, oh, I'm not hungry, drink it. Smoothies. Make, make a smoothie. Make a smoothie. Have some chocolate milk. If you're lactose intolerant, use some protein powder maybe that you can tolerate and blend it with some fruit and maybe, you know, some flax or chia seeds for a little extra healthy fat. But again, practical hunger is very important when it comes to athletes. And I, I'm thankful that you mentioned the 7 p.m. because... People are used to looking at a clock for knowing when to eat. And when it comes to athletes, timing is important, but we also don't want the clock to tell us when we can eat. So a great point there. Question number six, and this is probably my favorite question. Every time I do a sports nutrition presentation, this question comes up. When is a sports drink appropriate? I'll tell you when it's not appropriate. When I go to the movie theater and I see people ordering Gatorade, I'm confused, to be honest, because I know that deep down they want the blue raspberry slushy, but they're getting the Gatorade because they think it's healthier. But Paige, I don't think it's that much healthier because Gatorade is sugar, just like a slushy or pop. So not the most appropriate situation for a Gatorade. So I think we need to discuss what's in a sports drink and why it's in there, what the purpose is behind these components. Right. You know, there's really three components when it comes to a sports drink. You have water, you have electrolytes, and you have sugar. And just like you brought up with the movie theater scenario, a lot of people say, oh my gosh, Gatorade has way too much sugar. But when it comes to performance and, you know, feeling with athletes, that's kind of the point of Gatorade. It's the point. There's sugar in there for a reason. Right. We don't have to be scared of it. It's not the worst thing ever. It has a purpose. So, you know, sugar, a.k.a. glucose, it's going to provide those athletes energy when they are in really tough in training sessions or in games when it's hard to eat something. So, again, it comes back to the fluids. You're going to be able to get in those the water, sugar and electrolytes. When you see those no sugar sports drinks, you know, that works for some people, but not when you're in intense activity, because when it says no sugar, that means no carbs. The carbs are then not going to be going to replenish the fuel tank. Exactly. When we move our bodies, we are using up our carb stores. So it makes sense that there's sugar in some sports drinks. I was just talking to one of my athletes this week. He is an NHL hockey player, and he asked me about this electrolyte beverage that they were offering. And he goes, Danny, there's no carbs in here. And I go, we need carbs. So he's going to add his own carb snack between periods because the only options for him are water and this drink with electrolytes. And it says zero carb. And he was so confused. He's like, didn't we just talk about how I need carbs during intense two hour hockey games? And I'm like, yes. So sugar is not the enemy. It has a purpose when it comes to performance. So don't be afraid. But also, if your, you know, seven-year-old is playing soccer on a Saturday morning at 9 a.m. and it's a super casual youth soccer game, 
Probably not necessary. I see this a lot where like little tiny kids are crushing Gatorade. And yeah, sure, they're moving around a lot, but it's not this sports drink appropriate situation. I would say the top three appropriate scenarios to include a sports drink that includes sugar and electrolytes is number one, training or competing at high intensity for at least 60 minutes. If it's super, super high intensity for one hour or more, this could definitely come into play and be beneficial. Number two, training or competing in humid conditions. It doesn't get too humid up here in North Dakota in the summer, but I lived in St. Louis for one summer and it was next level humid, which is why I had to move north. I'd, I'd rather have the cold, to be honest. But football teams training in this humidity, you're losing a lot of water through sweat. So we need to put that back in. So number three, If you are an athlete and you are performing moderate to intense activity for greater than 90 minutes. So if it's super intense and it's at least an hour, yes. And if it's more moderate for at least 90 minutes, a sports drink might come in handy. And then, of course, if it's greater than two hours, we definitely want to start adding in carbs and electrolytes, such as people that do triathlons, marathons, uh, Ironmans. Then, Then we need all the carbs, all the carbs. Our final question, do I need to use supplements like protein powder? I think this is a really great question to add on. I get a lot of DMs from athletes, and it's usually about supplements. For example, the other day, someone's like, hey, Danny, what supplement can I take to have more energy? The first thing we need to put out into the universe is that you can't out-supplement a poor diet. If your nutrition is terrible, Supplements aren't really going to make a difference. When we work with athletes, we have a bottom-up approach. Exactly. We have to start with that solid base foundation of healthy habits. Otherwise, that pyramid really is going to come crumbling down. So the healthy habits that we like to start with with our athletes are sleep, hydration, breakfast, and we make those consistent. Once that base foundation is consistent, then we dial in and we move into like pre and post exercise nutrition and timing. Then eventually we go to supplements to help fill those gaps um, because sometimes we can't meet all of our needs via food alone, especially because athletes do have higher needs. Exactly. We want to use supplements to fill the gaps, but we we want to build a solid foundation first. Anything without a solid foundation is going to fall apart. And with so many athletes, they they aren't sleeping enough. They're not eating breakfast. They're not eating consistently throughout the day. So when we start there, usually that fixes the issue right away without even having to go to supplements because they're actually fueling their bodies and getting the sleep that they need. And athletes need way more sleep than non-athletes because they're so active and they recover while they sleep. Who would have thought? More energy, more food? I know. (laughs) Almost always the answer is eating more or just really eating enough. Now, if if you're going to use a supplement and you're an athlete, you need to make sure that this supplement is third party tested. Look for these logos on supplement containers. There, There's logos you can look for, and that's going to tell you whether or not this is third-party tested. The top three that we look for as performance dietitians, number one, NSF certified for sport. 
Number two would be informed choice for sport. And then three would be the BSCG. Remind me, Pate, what does that stand for? Band Substance Control Group? Yes, that's exactly it. So those would be the top three to look for especially if you're an NCAA athlete or a pro athlete that might get randomly drug tested for banned substances. And and that's something that I see a lot. Athletes are buying cheaper supplements from supplement stores or shelves at the grocery store. And, and they're choosing these supplements because because they're inexpensive. And I understand athletes are on a budget. I was an athlete. I was on a budget. But safety has to be number one when it comes to supplements because the last thing you want to do is lose your scholarship because you bought protein powder from Walmart and, you know, it was contaminated with a banned substance. Right. And that's what's such a gray area when it comes to supplements because they are not regulated by the FDA. You know, I always give the example with athletes, like the cliff bar that you're eating before your workout, that is regulated by the FDA. The pre-workout that you're taking, not regulated. You don't actually know what is in there. And we have to be really careful, especially, again, if you're a drug-tested athlete. There may be ingredients that are in there that they lie about and don't tell you, or there could be cross-contamination with other products that they make at their facility. Exactly. And when you have those logos that we mentioned on your supplement container, that means that what's on the label is in the container. The easiest thing you can do, if you only have five seconds to make a decision, look for one of those logos. Not even for our NCAA athletes, but even our active adults, like they want to know what they're putting in their body. So it's important still to look for some of that third party testing. Exactly. Even though it's a little bit more essential for athletes to be extra careful, it doesn't hurt for adults to also have third party tested supplements because then you're getting what you pay for. Exactly. Like I'm not getting drug tests anymore. I'm not in college, but I'm still taking third party tested supplements. Now let's come back to to protein powder because that was half the question. Should I take a supplement like protein powder? Now in a few weeks, I'll be recording an entire episode on my top five favorite supplements, which includes protein powder. But for now, let's answer the question, do I need to use protein powder? Paige, what do you think? You know, I think as dietitians and Danny, we have a similar approach with this, but food first, right? If we can get our protein from whole food sources, that is always going to be our best route. Athletes have increased needs and crazy schedules, and sometimes protein powder can be very convenient. It's also, again, going to depend, right? I think we say that for everything, but it's going to depend on your age, your size, your sport. But, you know, athletes can achieve their protein goals via whole foods, I used to coach a high school swim team, and I would see a lot of the times athletes not getting in enough protein, specifically at breakfast. You know, they wake up in the morning, they're running late, they hit the snooze button, they're on their way to school, they didn't get to grab breakfast. Um, And what we see is then they don't eat anything the whole day. They're at lunch, they're talking with their friends, they don't like school lunch, and then they maybe eat a little snack like a banana. Banana is going to give you, yes, some carbohydrates, but it's not a balanced meal. It's not enough protein there. If we need to utilize a protein powder to help start that habit because it's quick and convenient, that's great. Um, But we can definitely get our protein needs through whole foods. Definitely. And again, it all depends. Some some athletes might have higher protein needs because maybe they're they're six five and we have to increase protein based on lean mass. So that's a situation where we often recommend protein powder when we work with just generally bigger athletes because they have increased needs. 
But for a typical high school athlete or a middle school athlete and even some college athletes, we can typically achieve protein goals with food alone. We just need to make sure that we're including a protein source at each meal and snack. So that's probably one of my my top general recommendations for athletes is include a protein source at each meal and snack. So for example, back to breakfast, because I feel like most most athletes and adults struggle with breakfast. It's including eggs or a Greek yogurt at breakfast. And even though carbs are the number one fuel for athletes, we still want to try to get a protein source at meals and snacks. I know we talked about the 5 a.m. workout situation. Yes, before these very early morning workouts or practices, carbs is the focus. But after that 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. practice or lift, we want protein and carbs. And then we want to continue that throughout the day. When it comes to athletes, protein and carbs are like peanut butter and jelly. They they want to be together. So if you're not already doing that, that's that's a great place to start. Protein and carbs at each meal and snack. If you are going to use protein powder, we keep coming back to the protein powder. We're getting there. Stick with quality protein that's third-party tested. Some of our favorite brands that are NSF certified for sport include Thorn Research. That's my favorite. I've been using that for years. I'll actually drop an affiliate link in the show notes. Clean Athlete. Clean is spelled with a K, K L. E-A-N, BioSteel, and Vega Sport for a vegan option. These all have that NSF certified for sport logo. And that's all the time we have for today. Paige, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Danny. And all of those who submitted questions, we hope that you enjoyed our very first Ask the Dietitian episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the channel and share with one friend who would benefit from this message. Need help with your nutrition? Find me on Instagram at DannyVRD or visit our website, pivotnutritioncoaching.com. Thanks for listening.